This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Blood Red Liverpool podcast. Uh, I'm James Pearce, the Echo's Liverpool reporter, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Vegard Hegem, former Liverpool and Norway right back. Uh, Vegard, welcome back to Anfield. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Very good, thank you. Uh, I think, what is it, nearly 15 years since you uh, you left Liverpool. Is it yeah. is it good to be back? Yeah, always. Uh, yeah, my last season here was... Well, my contract expired in 2003, so it'll be 15 years this summer. But uh, ever since I've come back here once or twice every year and it's always uh, very enjoyable I mean people always say when you've played for Liverpool it never it never leaves you that certainly seems to be the true in your case yeah definitely I spent five years of my life here and uh, just uh, had uh, some brilliant times fell in love with the club with the city and the people here so yeah it's a huge pleasure to come back here and uh, go to the game and uh, and especially now with the team playing so well, so expectations are high before today's game. And we're, we're sat here just a, a Loris Carrius goal kick away from the stadium in Hotel Tier, which is uh, just opened up. I understand friends of yours that are that are running the place. It's going to be a you know a great meeting place for the array of Norwegians who who flock across every <laughs> every home game. Yeah, I guess the city is flooded with Norwegians every every <laughs> home game. So. But these people behind the hotel here they're really great uh, great guys and uh, uh, the way they've done this place up it looks very promising so yeah it's it's good to be here as well and just tell us a bit about what you're up to these days because i know when you finish playing you move back home to norway and you you run a a, a salmon farm is that right up in uh, 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 near trondheim is that correct yeah it's near trondheim it's uh, based on my childhood farm so it's it's a good hour outside trondheim uh, not actually a salmon farm, but it's a, it's a fishing lodge. Right. So my farm is located uh, right on the banks of a very famous uh, salmon river, the Orkla. So uh, when I retired in 2003, I, I moved back home and started to build this uh, fishing lodge concept. So um, we, um, we take 12 guests uh, and the season is uh, in June, July and August. So they get uh, guiding, accommodation and, uh, and full board. So I've been doing that now for 15 years and uh, enjoy it very, very much. Get a lot of uh, guests from the UK. Many Liverpool fans? Many Liverpool fans and a few others as well. <laughs> uh, and um, football-wise, I still keep in, bit in touch with uh, that as well. Uh, not as a coach, but uh, I've been a director on the board for Rosenborg, my previous club, now for six years. And I also enjoy that very much. So... Yeah, so I keep in touch with the football uh, business as well a little bit. Was fishing always a big passion of yours from when you were a kid? Yeah, because uh, you know I grew up there and uh, it was difficult not to uh, spend some time fishing uh, when you were a kid. So it's been a big uh, interest of mine uh, the whole time. So uh, in that respect, it's uh, I picked the wrong job because now I'm a host for the guests, so I don't get to fish as much myself. <laughs> So, uh, but I um, actually go to the UK to fish a bit as well. I'm going, uh, I'm heading to uh, 
we were tweeted now in March. Oh, okay. For some fishing there, so yeah. yeah, I'm very keen. And just talking about your your path that led you to Anfield, as as a youngster, was it always the dream to be a professional footballer, or did, did you ever think about doing anything else? No, it was uh, number one target, always to uh, train and work hard, uh, just to find out how far you could, uh, how far you could get, and uh, so just progressed through. Uh, my local clubs and uh, at the age of uh, 19 uh, I signed for uh, Rosenborg and then I uh, really realized that uh, I could actually make a professional career out of this and uh, uh, after a bit of a troublesome start at Rosenborg it was difficult to break through into the first team but I managed to, 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 to do that in my second season and um, at that time around uh, 97, 98, I guess, well, the Norwegian national team was doing quite well and uh, some uh, Norwegian players were doing uh, quite good in the Premier League and other leagues. So uh, it was a lot of focus on Norwegian players, mm. a lot of agents watching our games in Norway. So yeah. uh, in 98, there were quite a few uh, uh, clubs mentioned uh, in connection to my name and... Uh, yeah, and uh, the biggest one, in my uh, opinion, uh, was Liverpool, and uh, they offered me a contract in July '98, and uh, yeah, it was the biggest uh, dream come true. In terms of your time at Rosenberg, you won three league titles there, didn't you? And I think probably the one, certainly from my perspective, I think when people came to really notice you was probably the winner against AC Milan. Um, was that must that must have been a massive high? I was watching it on YouTube today actually. Okay. What, what was a right back doing, <laughs> soaring between two defenders to nod it past the keeper? Well, actually, I played right wing that game. Right. Okay. <laughs> but it was uh, really against all odds. Uh, we needed to win that game away in Milan to go through, uh, and they needed to to win as well. So yeah. uh, uh, we took our chances. We played quite well, and uh, we had to have. Uh, I guess that memory of scoring that goal is uh, something I'll never forget. Did you know that Liverpool were watching you? How long before the move happened did you did you know you were on their radar? I guess I knew about that for a couple of months. Mm. But uh, honestly, uh, um, you don't think too much about it. Uh, all you think about, you want to play well, you want to improve. Um, so uh, you, you just went, went on with your game and... Uh, did as good as you as you could, and uh, and and thankfully after uh, after the World Cup, also part of the Norway squad uh, in the '98 in France, and then things uh, happened quite quickly, and uh, yeah, I packed my suitcase and found myself in Liverpool. Who did you support as a kid? Uh, Rosenberg. Right. Yeah. So I didn't have a particular English right. side. So, uh, but English football, as you know, is huge in Norway. Yeah. So uh, it was for me uh, the biggest league to uh, play in. Yeah, and obviously now the way that transfer fees have gone, three and a half million pounds doesn't sound like an awful lot of money, but it was it was back then. Um, did you feel pressure when you when you came to Liverpool? When, you know, after they they'd obviously spent a, a big investment to bring you in. Yeah, well, sure. You you think a little bit about it, and I guess you know if you put three and a half million in today's money it's it's still quite a huge uh, sum for a Norwegian player mm. uh, but again um, I had high confidence in myself and really thought I had something to contribute with 
So uh, I was just uh, eager to go and uh, didn't think too much about it. So I was confident I was going to prove myself worthy of a place in the team and, and do well for the club. It was a strange period in Liverpool's history when you arrived because obviously they had joint managers. Um, how, how did that work in terms of when you signed for the club? Did was it Gerard Houllier or Roy Evans who, who rang you up, or was it both of them, or you know how did that? <laughs> well, it was uh, neither, but uh, this all went through my agent. And yeah. when I came to the club, it was uh, PBR or Peter Robinson, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Who I uh, sat down with, and uh, we went through the contract and uh, and assigned. Uh, but the first one I met was uh, Gerard Houllier, because he arrived in the city around the same time as me. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I also quickly met uh, met Roy, and also uh, Dougie Friedman was the assistant manager then. Uh, yeah, as you say, it was a bit uh, uh, unusual to have two two, yeah. uh, two bosses. But uh, again, you know, it didn't uh, worry me too much. I was just eager to get on the training field and uh, prove me worthy of a place in the team. Yeah, and of course, there, there were links between Liverpool and Rosenberg already, weren't there? Because obviously. Stigging of Bjornaby, we'd seen make that journey, gone to Kavama, mm. even Ovin Leonardson, I think, not directly, but it had come from Rosenberg. So you were, you were following in some pretty familiar footsteps there. Yeah, Rosenberg have been doing really well in the Champions League for, uh, for a few seasons. So, uh, uh, again, a lot of uh, agents were watching, watching our games. And, uh, uh, and yeah, so... Uh, I think at that time it was about 20 or 30 Norwegian players in the Premier League, so uh, it was a good era for, uh, for Norwegian football, that. And you were joining a squad with some you know, big personalities and, and you know, big stars in that dressing room, you know, the likes of Manaman, Fowler, Owen, mm. Redknapp, Ince. What, what was it like walking in there? Was it <laughs> a bit intimidating or was it welcoming straight away? It or? was welcoming and, uh, of course, I was a little bit, uh, you know, excited to just in the first to, to see how everything uh, went about uh, and especially Michael Owen was a big star coming from the World Cup after yeah. scoring that goal against Argentina and, but uh, the guys were really really friendly down to earth and uh, really welcoming and uh, Robbie Fowler became my next door neighbour in the Albert Dock oh, okay. Jamie Redknapp lived there as well uh, just to tell them to keep the noise down oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were they were, they were really, really good so they made it all easy to uh, come into the dressing room and focus on the right right things and you, you hit the ground running that first season 98-99 I think you made 36 appearances scored home and away against Middlesbrough mm. you, you must have been delighted with the impact you made yeah well I was quite happy uh, to establish myself uh, in the first first team um, you know you're always uh, a bit uh, Uncertain how you'll fare against uh, you know the uh, big world names uh, every every weekend. You know you had played big games in the Champions League, but now you were playing them every weekend. Uh, I remember I was making my debut uh, at Anfield uh, in my first season. We played at home against Arsenal, and you know they were the, 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 yeah, the really big, great big, team, big, yeah. big team at that time. And I was up against Mark Overmars, so I thought. Oh, this is going to be make or break in my first <laughs> game at Anfield. Baptism of fire, that. Yeah. So, but uh, thankfully it went well. Um, uh, had him in, in my pocket for that game and that gave me a good start and a lot of confidence. A few months into that season, obviously the club made the decision to, to, to end the arrangement of joint managers. Obviously Roy left. 
was it clear from a playing point of view that that wasn't really sustainable having joint managers? Yeah, again, you know, I, I didn't really uh, make a big lot of notice about what went on behind the doors. Yeah. But, uh, and I think both Roy and Gerard were very professional about, I'm sure they had their uh, arguments and uh, exchange of words, but that never really uh, was in front of the players. Yeah. So they were very professional about it. So, And also Roy, when he uh, resigned, it's uh, he, did, he went about it uh, in a very... Uh, very very good way so uh, all credit to him I got a lot of respect for Roy yeah yeah so uh, a lot of emotions involved uh, when he came into the dressing room to deliver the message mm. but uh, I'm sure it, he also knew it was the best for the club and that's the way uh, that's the type of guy Roy is yeah and uh, yeah so uh, uh, and then again Gerard also very professional about it and uh, he also respected Roy and the club and he knew that something needed to be done and it was the best solution. What was it like playing for Julier? Because I think the I think the, the kind of, from the outside looking in, it feels like he was a real disciplinarian and maybe the regime became stricter on, on the back of Julier just becoming the sole manager. Would that, would that be fair? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think uh, the likes of Julier and, and Arsene Wenger, they, they brought some... Uh, uh, some influence from uh, European football uh, development to England and uh, sports science that kind yeah, of thing yeah and the way they professionalised the club uh, the way they set up the training grounds and the regimes uh, around uh, training and games um, so yeah he really made his mark in that respect and uh, it was something that was needed to be done November 98 um, playing Blackburn a young, a young kid by the name of Stephen Gerrard came on to make his debut, didn't he? In, in place of you late on. Um, obviously, with what he went on to achieve, arguably the, the greatest Liverpool have ever had. Back then, obviously, he, he, been, he must have been training with the first team squad a bit before then. Were you aware, as senior players, that there was a very special kid knocking on the door? Yeah, but still, you know, he hadn't trained with us for that long, so I was mm. actually quite surprised to see that he was on the bench right. and even making his debut on uh, on that day. But sure, you know, he was. Uh, you, you totally saw that he had something special. Uh, but still, he was very young. He was uh, he was skinny and shy, but uh, still, he was really uh, uh, really throwing himself into tackles and uh, with no respect for the. You know, for this, uh, the big, uh, big names and the yeah. big guys. So uh, you definitely saw he had something. But you, you can often see young players come in, uh, training with a full squad like like that, and they still don't make it yeah. the final step. So at that time, you know, you you wasn't sure that he was going to make it either. But of course, you, history shows that he he did that and uh, and more so. And uh, yeah, I must say I've. Uh, I'm uh, proud to have uh, been a part of this club and and played my games here during my seasons at the club, but also to be here at the same time as Steven Gerrard is yeah. also something I'm really proud of. Too right. And 99-2000, your, your second season at the club, another 25 games, but only 11 starts. Obviously, the injuries hampered you. Was, mm. was that was that something that you'd had the, the issues you'd had previous to Liverpool, or was it just something that that happened when you were at Liverpool? Well, no, I was struggling with uh, with, with uh, muscle uh, muscle strains, 
you know, my biggest feature as a player was my uh, my speed. Yeah. I was quick, uh, explosive, and uh, that puts a lot of strain on your muscles. And uh, so I used to pull my hamstring a lot, and I did that in Rosenberg. I did that in previous my previous clubs as well. Yeah. So uh, it was something I carried carried with me. Uh, and unfortunately, I just didn't uh, manage to shake it off. It just uh, got worse. And uh, in my second season, it, it really started to be a big problem. <clears throat> and uh, it just escalated. And uh, I remember very well, I played uh, for Norway in Euro 2000. And uh, uh, I was injured there in the second game in the group stage for, for Norway. And that was uh, my last game, really, where I had absolutely no problems with uh, my muscles. Yeah. After that, I, I came back and I played games for Liverpool even after that. Mm. But I was never really back to my full uh, capacity. Um, so... That's the way it was. I was only twenty five years of age into in uh, in uh, Euro two thousand. So obviously you you would l like to have a longer career than that. But that's the, that's how it went, and you know it's not nothing you can be bitter about because yeah you know I rather look at the time and the games I I, I had and uh, of course I've, I've been really privileged to uh, to experience all this with Rosenborg with Norway and 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 with Liverpool. And when I get back here today uh, on a match day like this and I walk around Anfield uh, looking forward to the game, I need to, to pinch my arm really to, wow, I've been a part of this. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, something I'm really proud of. At the time when you're going through that, how difficult is it to, to stay positive? And because you're, when, when you, you know, you're obviously you live in your dream being at Liverpool, but your body's letting you down I take it you must have travelled and gone to see all kinds of specialists mm. to try and get to the bottom of it and try and find a solution yeah it was really really hard uh, I struggled uh, I struggled struggled massively with uh, with that uh, you feel you're letting the club down the fans down and uh, you just want to play so badly yeah. and uh, you, you just can't and uh, it was a problem that wasn't easily fixed and uh, you get very frustrated and uh also, after you, I did uh, some treatment and you were building yourself up and getting back to full fitness, and then you break down again, and that moment where you feel it's coming back, it's really, really tough mentally. So, And I feel it now when I watch games and I see players get injured, and they, like Daniel Sturridge, for instance, yeah. you know, uh, I really feel for, for players who... Uh, who get returning injuries like that because mm. I know how uh, difficult it is. 2000-2001, that season, obviously what turned out to be your last game for Liverpool against Derby, that was in the October. Obviously that went on to be a historic season for the club with them winning the treble. Mm. I know I know you were stuck on the sidelines, but were you still able to take satisfaction from from being part of that squad or was it difficult to watch because you were missing out? No, it wasn't difficult to watch course you know you you had that feeling that uh, wow it would have been even better if you could take yeah. part of course but still it was a fantastic season with uh, you know five trophies yeah. so uh, and some fantastic uh, memorable finals so yeah that uh, I remember those very well and took huge pleasure in it but uh, it's the way it is I was, yeah. a, I was a part of the squad and supported your teammates um, so uh, it's a good good memory still, even though I was on the sidelines. Yeah, and did you feel that there was a real momentum building over that season? Obviously, you get the first one out of the way, the League Cup. 
and then you know the FA Cup was was dramatic, and then I don't think anyone had probably quite seen anything like that final in Dortmund mm. that night. I mean, that was an amazing way to complete the treble. And arguably, if Istanbul hadn't happened, people would probably talk about that Dortmund final a lot more than than they maybe do these days. Yeah, definitely, it was. Uh... Really exciting game, and uh, the way uh, Liverpool uh, dominated the game in the extra time, and uh, just found uh, extra energy, and uh, uh, eventually pulled it all off. It was uh, electric atmosphere at the ground. And obviously, you stayed at Liverpool till two thousand and three, wasn't it? When you when you when you left, obviously your contract was expiring. Um, was it ever? Did it ever? Come into your thinking to to go somewhere else, or was did you just have to call it a day then because of your body, or what was the situation? No, uh, it was with the advice from the, the expert as well that yeah. uh, uh, the right uh, decision would be to just retire and uh, start planning for a different career, different life. So I was uh, I had really just settled down with that decision. Yeah. At that time. And mentally. You know, some players might get one serious injury that suddenly they go from one day being absolutely fine to the next day facing retirement. Did it make it any easier for you the fact that it had been almost a gradual process yeah. where you were having to, you know, you'd almost had to come to terms with it before it actually happened? Yeah, exactly like that. So you had sort of been prepared for the yeah. that decision gradually. So, but still, it was a tough day when I realised that. Now, now this is it. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever think about coaching or management? Not really, because uh, you know I've given so much of my life to football and really, really enjoy that. But I also wanted to see if I uh, uh, could do something at uh, another uh, another stage with a, in a in a different uh, different field. And uh, I had the opportunity on my childhood farm to take over the, that. Uh, property and, uh, and build my own business and I think it was good for me to to do something completely different yeah. to sort of drain my thoughts from the disappointment of uh, having to retire at that early age yeah so what were you 27 28 I was 28, 28 yeah. in 2003 yeah yeah I mean 65 appearances for Liverpool three goals 20 caps for your country what if you had to pick out a highlight or a couple of highlights what would they be well um uh, I remember my, my debut very well, my first game for Liverpool, um, away at, at Southampton, a game which we won. I remember scoring my first goal uh, at Riverside, it was a, it was a good uh, solo effort, uh, so I sort of flipped mentally after the, scoring that goal, <laughs> running like crazy with my tongue out, I remember, <laughs> and with my best mate in, uh, in the stands as well, so that was a very good memory. And then again, also scoring uh, my first goal in front of the cup uh, against Bradford yep. in the Premier League. So yeah, there are so many good memories. Who was the the greatest player you played alongside? Steven Gerrard, definitely. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, there were many. Uh, also, Michael Owen. I think he was fantastic. Yeah. At his peak um, at uh, at uh, Liverpool, uh, physically and uh, his goal scoring abilities. And also the way he conducted himself as a superstar at that time, you know, yeah. so so grounded and uh, um, uh, really uh, taking his time with the fans. And I remember he was carrying huge bags with fan fan mail, and he took it back <laughs> home home with him. And 
So yeah, it was uh, that was inspiring to see. Yeah. But uh, but uh, all in all, definitely uh, Steven Gerrard is the best I played alongside. Mo- most difficult opponent. <sighs> well. I played against some really really good wingers. Yeah. Uh, I already mentioned Mark Overmars. Yeah. I was up against Ryan Giggs. But the one I had most problems with was uh, uh, David Genoa. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he was, uh, when he was bothered, he was really, really <laughs> difficult to play against because he had everything. He was, he was dead quick. Yeah. And he was massive. He was strong, good in the air. And he could go both ways. He was two-footed and could cross uh, the ball uh, equally well with the left and, uh, and his right foot. And he was always tied up against Liverpool because he was him and Jared Hullier, They had this uh, bad relationship. Yeah, they had yeah, history, didn't they? They had the, history from the France national team. And yeah, so he was very motivated against <laughs> us, and I was suffering from that. And <laughs> uh, um, I'm just looking at the, the the current day. I know you remain a big Liverpool fan. What do you make of the? The job that Jurgen Klopp's doing. Well, I think they're very enjoyable to watch now, um, especially uh, uh, offensively. Uh, they've got some fantastic uh, players. Uh, like the um, intensity in the game, uh, the pace, uh, how they counter when they win the ball. Uh, I think it's uh, what every fan would like to like to see. And then, of course, you are frustrated with the. Uh, Lack of consistency, uh, yeah. you know. But uh, I, I, I feel uh, that uh, the the club and the team are constantly uh, developing. I like the way Klopp speak to the press, to the fans. Yeah, I think he's honest, and that's what uh, a supporter would like to see. We're not stupid, you know, uh, and he knows that, so he doesn't uh, bullshit you. And when something is crap, he says it's crap, and yeah. that's. Uh, I think you need to do that. So uh, I just hope uh, uh, we'll win some titles soon, and that'll be good for him uh, and for the players. Um, so just hope they uh, to continue to work hard and develop um, and do well in the transfer markets, and I'm sure uh, the titles will come. The front three especially been making life very difficult for the defenders this season. I mean, Salah, Mane and Firmino, what have, what have you made of that, that, that trio? Well, uh, again, they, they, it's, it must, must, must be such a nightmare to, to, to play against a, a trio like that because they can just create situations out of nothing, you know, on their own, with their, um, with their, uh, with their pace and with their skills. Um, you know, it's uh, often just one uh, extreme player like that you're up against, but when you have three, yeah. it's very difficult to defend against that. Um, yeah, so it's uh, you get this uh, mentally advantage even before uh, the game is kicked off because you just feel they are a little bit of in- uh, intimidated. Yeah. Um, it's it's just a huge pleasure to have uh, a lineup like we have now. And fullback as well as an area of strength for Liverpool at the moment. Obviously, young Chan Alexander Arnold, the man in possession of the right back spot. At the moment, your old position. Um, what have you made of his development? Because he seems to be performing at a level, probably you know, that is is remarkable for someone still so young. Yeah, I agree. It's also uh, very enjoyable to watch. Um, I think it's very. Uh, it looks very uh, strong mentally, uh, very offensive uh, orientated, and his crossing abilities uh, are really good. Um, so he, he's, he's contributing for the team very well and 
you know, as you would expect, he also uh, gets caught out of position uh, every now and then, and uh, he will also grow uh, with more experience. So uh, yeah, it looks we look very well covered on uh, that position now. When you watch Trent play, do you think we might see him maybe similar to Steven Gerrard move into midfield further down the the, the line, or do you think he is a an out and out fullback? Oh, I haven't thought about that. I've only thought about him as an uh, out and out fullback. Yeah, uh, you might be right. Uh, you know, he he he's young and he'll develop his uh, his skills and his uh, all around uh, game. And uh, uh, maybe Klopp will uh, will start experience uh, experiment a bit uh, with him, but uh, and play him in different positions. But uh, for now, I think he's doing such a good job uh, in his current position. So yeah, yeah, I I, I will play him there. Yeah, and just obviously Nathaniel Klein was the the, the established right back before this season has had uh, nearly missed you know, the whole season up to now with a back injury. He's now fully fit, but do you think he he's got a fight on his hands getting back in? Because obviously you've got Trent and you've also got Joe Gomez who has mm. performed very well. Yeah, he is, he can he can't just walk back into the team definitely, uh, but you know he uh, he played really well before he got got injured. But it's it's that it's a manager's dream to have such good uh, good competition for yeah. uh, the places in the in the team. So uh, and um, you you want Liverpool to be active in all competitions, and then you need uh, uh, good width in the in the in the squad as well. Yeah. So uh, that'll be a good fight, and they will both benefit from it. And on the other side, Andy Robertson, uh, the fans have, have really taken to him since he's come into the club from Hull uh, last summer um, is he another player that's, that's impressed you? Yeah I like him as well he's uh, uh, got very high energy yeah. uh, the way he's closing down and all, he also delivers good crosses and uh, you know strikers love that uh, so uh, it's most it's uh, easy to understand why uh, the cop has really taken to Andy Robertson he's a fantastic player and then, just in terms of the, the Champions League, is Liverpool's one kind of remaining hope of, of silverware this season. I think clearly still outsiders to win it, but after that five 0 thrashing of, of Porto, do you do you start to dream that this this could be the year? <laughs> yeah, of course you dream, and uh, even though uh, end of May is probably the busiest time of the year for me uh, back home at my fishing lodge, I, have, I must try to find time to travel to Kiev if, uh, <laughs> if they make it to that final because I did that when I went to Istanbul and I didn't regret uh, making that trip so I will do the same this year and you know a bit of luck with the draw and um, if they play up to their full potential it's definitely possible Well Vegard really appreciate your time thank you so much we, we hope we see you in Kiev in May that will, uh, <laughs> we'll do the next podcast then um, but for now enjoy your time on Merseyside and, and thank you very much for joining us Thank you, cheers the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Ook bewust bezig zijn met je mobiel? Dat kan al voor 11 euro per maand met mijn SIM Only. Nu met 100 minuten of sms'jes en 2500 MB 4G internet. Kijk op ben.nl.